Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 78, recorded on Thursday, 17th November 2011. Good things never come easy. IBM as Ronnie Maffer and Ethan Perry joined Darren and I to discuss design and development processes in IBM Collaboration Solutions, Project Vulcan, One UI, the future of mobile and web apps, and much, much more. A couple of quick notes before we start. There's a little bit of echo about halfway through the episode. It does shift after just a few minutes, so please do bear with it. The conversation is definitely worth it. Also, the music on this episode is by Julia Nunes, a great new artist. Go check out the rest of her work at junumusic.com. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Well, hello, welcome to This Week in Lotus. My name is Stuart McIntyre and we are back for our weekly roundtable discussion about all things Lotus. We are joined by my co-host, Mr. Darren Duke. Hello, Darren. And I'm alive. People have been missing me. They've been complaining I haven't been on Skype or Twitter, which is shocking. You've been offline all week. Where have you been? <laughs> We've got a big kind of five-week, six-week-long project that's literally taking up all of my time. Um, that's forcing this and it's not that i'm not online it's that i'm not actually in front of a computer which is even more scary i start to shake it about midday dt in in real people terms yeah absolutely so uh yeah things are ramping up look forward to hearing more about the abstract selection process in the next couple of weeks hopefully we'll get some good news did you manage to um, avoid yes i did i did i wasn't tempted i had to i had to sit on my hands for two weeks Very good. I'm very impressed. Well, we are delighted this week to be joined by a couple of very key people in uh, IBM Lotuses or IBM Collaboration Solutions uh, Development and Design Department. So first of all, we have Ronnie Maffer. Hi there, Ronnie. Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah, good morning. Great to uh, to have you on. Thanks for getting up so early to join us. Do you want to tell us what you do for IBM, what your role is? Uh, yes, uh, thank you for inviting me. I, my role in IBM is I'm the vice president for um, advanced collaboration, and you know that really translates to the social software area. Under my uh, responsibility, I have IBM Connection, Lotus Quicker, uh, Lotus Live Connection, as well as Lotus Live Engage, um, and also with that from the sort of the. The initiative perspective, Project Vulcan, is uh, within my responsibility as well. Brilliant, and and so and you know, responsible for all the development for those products. That that's quite a wide portfolio. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's wide, but you know, we do have uh, a lot of focus around the social aspect as well as I think you know the community and team collaboration. So um, you know, in the past, before I actually have this post. Um, I'm also responsible. I used to be responsible for the notes development as well. So, okay. you know, in terms of the Lotus portfolio, I have some uh, old history of knowledge of the the messaging space as well as some of the newer stuff that we're working on. It's quite enjoyable. I can imagine. Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Ronnie. It's great. And also joined by Ethan Perry. Hi there, Ethan. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to tell us what your role is? 
Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am the lead uh, product designer for uh, IBM Connections and uh, Lotus Live Engage. So uh, we have a user experience team that has a number of designers who do visual design, interaction design, um, uh, usability testing, user research, and uh, and I uh, drive the direction for, for those groups. Brilliant. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's great. So are you guys both, both um, based out of the Boston area? Uh, yes, we are. We are actually in the same lab. Wow. CC, chill on a regular basis. That's great. Well, thank you again for both of you joining us and getting up so early this morning to, to be on the podcast. It's fantastic to have you on. So um, the, the conversation today is obviously going to revolve very much around um, design and development and how the, the two interact and, and what that means for the product set. So um, perhaps, Ronnie, you can kick us off. I mean, what do you uh, kind of see as, as the kind of delimiter between development and design? How do you work with the, the two different teams together? Uh, okay, uh, I will... So, so I, I don't really see us as two team. I see, uh, I consider the design to be a critical um, starting point of everything that we we actually do daily, right? So the way we work with our design team is we have a very much of a design-led approach that, you know, the coding doesn't happen until we have our design team to provide us a set of user story that can describe end-to-end what we are trying to accomplish, what we want the user to be able to do, and then we will proceed from there in working through some of the interaction model stuff as well as um, the visual stuff, which the visual stuff tend to come a little later because you would, I think you guys might notice that you've seen early markup sometimes and and as we go through the product we actually do a lot of polishing and changing and modification as we learn more so to me um, you know although Ethan does not report directly up into my organization I always and, and Ethan I've been working with Ethan and his team since the beginning of um, social software initiative that we have started about six years ago now um, you know and but I always have considered and extended uh, my team's inclusion of our design team they are very much a part of the development organization Ethan come to everything that I have in terms of all hands conversation or our meeting the design team is an integral part of us and the reason that is you know so important is um, as many of you guys know you know IBM Collaboration Solution is all about the end user interface interaction portion of the collaboration and you know without user design, without thinking the user first, it is it will be impossible for us to deliver anything in market that is competitive. So so that's how we have always worked together and I don't expect that to change in, in a whole other way moving forward. Well that goes my plan for creating a cage fight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so you, you touched on one of the points early on, where you said we have these user interaction stories. Are, are these the personas that we've started to see percolate? Yeah. So, so you know, we do definitely incorporate the uh, the persona that you've seen. Um, that those are based on you know user research around you know what the sort of typical user profile is. Um, but there's actually uh, more to it, where you know we we look at um, <clears throat> what our existing customers are doing. We also have a large deployment in IBM. And, um, you know, we're looking at what's sort of the next phase of, of collaboration that we want to bring to the product and, and what does that end-to-end scenario look like and, you know, how do people initiate the collaboration and what's the functionality that supports that so that sort of from a step-by-step process perspective, we can make sure that the, the flow is as intuitive as possible. 
So I, I think both of you kind of covered this in, in a little way. But um, so what comes first, really? Is it the, the functionality you want to add to a product or is it the, the look and then, you know, the functionality kind of has to then support that? And I'm, I'm thinking back in many ways to um, the kind of vision of Hanover when, when the Notes client was redesigned. I've heard from Mary Beth and so on that that was really kind of a Photoshop mock-up that then got presented and then kind of had to work out how to deliver that after that event. <laughs> is, uh, you know, how does that work for, for products that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, well, it does start a bit before those mock-ups. So, um, you know, Hanover, actually, there was a lot of, of user research with existing customers and prioritization. I mean, we work closely with product management on this. I mean, we take inputs in terms of, you know, what, what what's the market doing and what are the features we should be adding, as well as, you know, what are our existing customers uh you know, asking for and, and how do we think we need to improve the product. And so we do start fairly early doing some sort of rough sketches or wireframes uh, that may not look exactly like what the final product is going to look like. And then we move those into more of a high fidelity appearance, but we're always kind of tweaking. So, you know, the visual design in some ways does come towards the towards the end. And of course, over the last, uh, you know, sort of, I guess it's four or five years now, we've had the one UI look and feel, haven't we, that uh, all the products have kind of adhered to, or there's been several versions of that. And then we had the Vulcan Vision uh, come forward from, you know, we saw it maybe two or three years ago. I'm sure you were working on it before then. So do you want to talk to kind of what the purpose of the one UI theme is and, and also the, the Vulcan Vision in terms of, you know, how does that help you with the design process? Sure. Um, I think I'll... I'll, I'll talk to one UI a bit and then maybe Ronnie, I'll, you, okay. if you want, you can comment on the Vulcan vision. Um, so, you know, the, the one UI effort was really to make sure that we had a set of, uh, you know, common uh, patterns, both from a, a visual design perspective as, as well as, um, you know, from an, uh, an interaction design perspective. So if there's very, you know, common ways a user is going to interact with, with uh, navigation, or you know, a drop-down menu or things of that nature that we didn't have to reinvent the wheel each time. So we basically put together a library of, of one UI patterns and uh, have some associated like HTML markup that goes with that that we're you know bringing to to the, the Lotus portfolio. So um, you know, it's it's really um, in some other you know organizations I think they might even refer to it as kind of a pattern library. But uh, you know, it's it's a way for us to use the same markup in as many places as possible to have a more more consistent experience. And and I think you achieved that. And um, one of the most popular guests we've had on was was Chris Paul. And he was actually talking about this. And I think from an external perspective at IBM, uh, we, we kind of assumed Vulcan was a vision and, and, and a framework. And I don't think we realized that IBM were taking it down to the nuts and bolts, that if you're going to click this button, this is where the button should be and this is how the button behaves. And I think that was one of the most well-feedbacked, if that's a word, episodes we ever had, right, Stuart? Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of comments about it. So how, so, so, so how did Vulcan come about? Uh, can you give us some background on, on sort of, you know, what, what kick-started that process? Yeah, so, um, this, so let me jump in on that one. Um, so Vulcan came about with really a set of driving principle that we felt is very critical for us to bring forth because of some of the the future direction that we really need to um, you know transform the the, the portfolio into enabling um, a new set of 
the new way of doing, you know, collaboration and new way of doing business and, and also be enabling us to be able to leverage um, not narrowly in each product family, but much more go across accessing all the portfolio capability that actually IBM can bring to bear, which will, you know, which is fundamentally make us a lot more uh, competitive as well as enable us to make solution for our customer that really meet their business need. So around the Vulcan vision, vision is really four driving principle that I, I believe that, you know, we, we have made a strong attempt to make sure that that is understood when we share the vision. Um, those four principles um, is the foundation of you see how it actually guide the design concept that we, we actually do and deliver and, you know, all the way like you have made uh, observation around all the way to the nuts and bolts. So it's not a on the surface, a wide stroke, but really define what we what we need to do as we embark into this um, realization of the vision. Um, those four principles, just as a recap for those who might not have heard it before, is about continuity, which first is, is that we really don't believe in the concept of drop everything you have and restart from the beginning. We need, we wanted to be able to ensure that our client, our customer, our business partner can have a way to build on what they already invest in and then bring that forward to the future as we move forward. Um, the other theme, the other key principle is about conversion. Conversion is all about unifying the experience as well as the technology where it's appropriate to best meet the need from a across access as well as from a delivery model perspective. Um, so, so you can you will see a lot of um, you know as you you sort of see some evidence what sees many of the evidence that we are doing you see the conversion principle to carry through not only on the stuff that we actually deliver as a product but you also see the way we go to market the way we approach um, the marketplace of what they really need the way we bring solution to bear and even to the point of how we actually package and, and, you know, how we package and sell the product together as well. Um, the other theme is innovation. Innovation is all about applying new idea and concept, but, um, you know, but more so than that is that it really is to drive um, capability that really make a difference to people's um, way of collaboration. One of the key a concept is around being able to empower and help people to work in a way, which is what a lot of the social collaboration methodology and the social media uh, behavior is is really a big challenge to folks who are not quite comfortable in this space. So it's very important for us to be able to find innovative way to attract them, enable them, and make them comfortable because ultimately it is the collaboration that will deliver the, the, the business results. Um, and around that area, we'll also believe that um, not only do we do need to enable people to collaborate, we also need to enable to people to gain greater insight and awareness of what is going on around them and the stuff that, 
you know, that they need to know as well as the stuff that it will be good for them to know. So we we thought of those areas as a very heavy focus around analytics. So you also, I believe, you know, kind of thinking forward uh, and, you know, a a quick sort of uh, looking at rear room mirror is, is that you see that we our messaging and also a lot of the product that we are bringing to market and that we actually have acquired are very keen on the analytics space as well as in our research team. And finally, it's all about opportunity. So opportunity is a number of things, right? But the most important thing about opportunity is to enable others to extend and ourselves to extend and as well as build on. And the only way we can do that in a uh, unprohibited way is for us to continue our commitment around open standard. And so, you know, those are the four key driving principles that really define why we bring Vulcan to bear and why this vision be so important that we actually spend two Lotus Fair talking about it, right? And also, I believe that, you know, many of you have seen evidence of Vulcan beginning to surface when we first uh, see each other this year in Lotusphere and we have our social business toolkit being available that touch upon many of these key principles as well as you you know many uh, all almost all the product plan that will be coming out that will be shipping next year will deliver the the Vulcan attribute what I call the Vulcan attribute and common componentry that we actually build to enable the delivery of these key principles. And I'm hoping we'll get to see some of his stuff in the next 60 days or less, right? <laughs> uh, as long as Lotusphere is happening within 60 days, yes. <laughs> um, so I, I, I kind of seen some of the fruition. Uh, I can't really talk about it because I'm under seriously strict NDAs on this. Um, in, in, in what Obviously, this is a multi-year vision for IBM because you have all of these products and, and really there's been no guidance between them. So they've all been doing their own thing. And I guess trying to corral them all back into one uh, overriding vision is, is a bit like herding cats, right? Uh, well, you know, there's never uh, good things never come easy. So I, I would assert that. And also, I think, you know, part of the cat herding part is um, not to sort of um, make it sound even more difficult than it is, is that it's not only a we corralling uh, organization that IBM owns, that in general is actually not as challenging as uh, what might seem, right? And, you know, the one UI effort, as you see and you you observe, that is down to the nuts and bolts, is the detail cap- the the detail infrastructure or the the development behavior pattern and commitment that we have to commit to in order to deliver a vision like this, right? So, however, the other the the more pressing challenge is really about how our how the demand how we actually uh, reconcile the demand of our customer base, our business partner base, when they are very focused on delivering a solution that might be only depend on one product or two product and not necessarily the requirement for us to sort of look across. Of course, the better we can do our job, um, our client as well as our business partner will appreciate it because they will enjoy the, the benefit of the easier integration methodology, the more consistent look and feel, the less sort of conflicts about concept that exists in one product and the other product, right? However, the challenge really is as business already are running, 
many of our software, you know, the whole continuity portion of it, that really is the hardest one because as you transform, we really cannot ask our marketplace as well as our client and business partner to stop give us a couple years and we'll come back with the next suite. And then at that point, you really should upgrade everything you own. So, you know, so the challenge for us is really pick and choose what is the next right step for us to begin this transformation. And, you know, Hopefully, we uh, we will majority have done our job right for the solution that is coming out in the you know in 2012. Um, and of course, I, I know that we are counting on our customer and business partner to continue to keep us in the straight arrow, so that while we are doing this transformation, uh, what I often said to my team is do no harm and then add value. Right. So right, and and I think it's a very good process. And I think you just need to look at history where Microsoft with Office 2003, there was a five-year gap between 2007. And not only was it a five-year gap, but they radically changed the UI. And still today, you know, I think that's affected the market penetration of, of Office 2007 and hence 2010 as well. And so I think taking the baby steps approach is, is, is a very, very good idea. I think you might take some flack in the press for it. Um, you know, by saying, oh, well, there's not been a release of Product X for three years. Well, if you look at the increment updates, and I'm thinking specifically Notes or Domino here, and even Connections as well, you know, the incremental updates, that the, the point zero releases are adding new stuff in. So I think you, you're given the best of both worlds, and I think that's that's the best way to do it. And like you said, you've got to be very wary of, of, of upsetting your old um, stalwart clients and just saying, oh, yeah, that's what we used to do. Now, this is what we do here and go install this and everything's changed around and they've got massive training budgets and and, and that that hits them in in all the wrong places so i think you're doing the right thing i have to say ronnie i'm really impressed with how you laid that out early on i hadn't heard project vulcan described in the terms you used in terms of those sort of important factors that you take as part of that vision and and as darren says you know i was going to bring up microsoft as well i think it's it's tremendous value you're bringing to the marketplace by doing it in the way you're doing it compared to the big bang you know you need to change all your products at this date to make them all match up i think in the way you're doing it is, is much tougher for ibm to do it that way but it's, it's working out really well for the customers because they're seeing continuous evolution but also getting to a point where they have the full vision uh, in front of them as well and i guess one of my questions that comes from that is you know i regularly hear customers saying i want to buy Project Vulcan, you know, I, I've seen the demos. I want that, and and I guess one of the challenges is, at what point will you hit that? You know, in terms of those demos, will, will there be a set versions of, of four or five products that give you what you've shown in the demos, or is that just kind of a point in time snapshot of what you're trying to achieve? Um, so it is is very interesting. I think the answer is everybody can buy Project Vulcan today, right? And um, now the, of course, what is uh, baked into an uh, individual when they sort of observe some of the um, initial mock-up that we've done um, now feel like many years ago and but as well as seeing some demonstration of some of the work that we we ha- we have done throughout the year so you know so it is a journey for us and I what what we are sharing with our customer is that project Vulcan will be something that we spend a lot of time talking about as a vision because it was important for us to make sure people understand the journey that we are taking. And hopefully, 
everyone who's beginning to experience the product will actually feel the Project Vulcan attribute and seeing the value that is helping them, that they stop really asking about Vulcan, but feeling the benefit of Vulcan. For example, one thing I, you know, about Vulcan that was very critical to us is about enabling the modality of an individual on, um, you know, being able to access the collaboration, both the network of people as well as the content of the collaboration, no matter where they are, no matter what type of um, machine they have in their hand, whether it's a handheld device, a tablet device, as well as a laptop or a desktop. So, you know, you we have already, and, you know, of course we don't necessarily say, look, this is Vulcan. But what the marketplace have beginning to really enjoy, hopefully, you know, um, my observation and reading the feedback is the same observation that the team here is seeing and hearing is our progression in mobile and, and our demonstration of commitment and might in the mobile space applying these four key concepts has been quite evident this year. You see, a we, you know, we have traveler um before, you know, we, we have Traveler as a very premier offering and capability to enable messaging access. And we cover pretty pervasively very popular devices. And throughout this year, just in the connection space, we have delivered, um, you know, two, three pretty major um, mobile capability and every single one of them are as very giant step forward from the last version that we, we drop into market. And we are actually exploiting some very key capability in every single one of the devices that we want to support. So, you know, not so to me, and actually, hopefully, you know, you guys observe that as well. That is Vulcan, right? That is the core principle being brought to market. And we also, see, you also see that, you know, you guys will see, will have the ability to see a lot more about the next version of connection. Um, and when you sort of look at that, you, you hopefully you will feel the same way that you see a lot of Vulcan attribute in there, be it as our embrace of um, open standard around activity stream and open social and our present in those um, standard body as well as our progression you know in the 3.0 space being the most accessible web product in market and you know in four we will be we will be delivering um, embedded experience everywhere we will have a container which that we can accept open social gadget and open up the information Structure. We open up the activity stream to allow any business process for integration. So you know, be be it as a business partner or a customer, as well as ourselves, we will leverage those capability heavily. So you will see these transformation in all the product that we own. You know, some of you are privileged to seeing some of the transformation that we want to do with our messaging product. So this is really a transformation that no no product and no customer is going to be get left behind. And we, I, th I think what we will, you will not see us to continue to pound on the vision thought because for every vision, the only value of a vision is the realization of it. And what I would consider is 2012, we'll, you will see a lot of realization. And, and hopefully, customers stop asking 
expecting to buy a picture, <laughs> and but what they will be doing is that they're beginning to apply these capability in the way they do business, so that they can accelerate their business growth and their business objective. So, so then, I, 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 I'm, with, I'm with Stuart. I think this is one of the best explanations that that I've heard, and I, I've been in a lot of explanations about Vulcan. So, so thank you for that. But I think it's intriguing that we have someone from the development side of the organization and someone from the design organi- side of the organization. So, so Ethan, when, 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 when Vulcan was taking place a few years ago and when One UI popped out, how do you guys go about saying, okay, this is how we're going to implement it in Lotus Live? Because Lotus Live is a bit different, right? Um, yeah, well, Lotus Live actually presents an interesting opportunity for Vulcan because it already has a lot of the you know the, the aspects of the portfolio that we're looking at, you know, bringing together. So, you know, we we have we have notes in Lotus Live. We have Engage, which uh, which includes you know a lot of aspects of connections, um, and we have same time. So, um, we are definitely looking at Lotus Live as a way that you know we can we can demonstrate that that integration and bring you know some of the common One UI elements. And and certainly we expect over time um, that you know as we uh, bring together, you know, kind of the Vulcan vision that, that that Lotus Live is one of the channels where where that'll that'll become available. Um, and you know, as as we as as we bring the latest kind of on-premise capabilities uh, forward, we also are looking at how those those apply in the cloud as well. And, and Lotus Live is an interesting um, kind of place, really, isn't it? And it's it's almost an intersection between you know the enterprise, what you do on-premise, and the public web, where you know what people expect from Dropbox and Facebook and LinkedIn and all those kind of sites. And so, h- how do you kind of uh, tailor your design process to to fit you know Lotus Live or, or even the on-premise products? What, what do you kind of take from the public web versus change because it is inside the firewall? Yeah, I mean, I think we are. There's no question we're seeing that that end users in 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 the business context and enterprises and, and small businesses are starting to expect the same type of experience they would have, you know, with with their personal use of consumer sites. So, you know, I, I think that's been happening for for quite a while ever since there's been sort of web applications in the enterprise perspective that that we've been headed towards that. Um, and certainly with social software, you know, consumer sites drive a lot of people's expectations. So that's really something we we think about. Um, we we do think there's you know there are aspects to the the business context that are that are a bit different. Certainly there's you know expectations around security and privacy and integration with other applications that might not be relevant uh, in the consumer space. But I think there's no question from sort of a a, a user experience perspective that. You know, the, the, the end users want the same sort of ability to kind of step up and start using something uh, that they would, you know, on the public web, and and so that is certainly something we we think about and and you know bring to our design work. And and does that maybe also change what the customer expects on a release cycle? Because in in my circles, it seems that Salesforce.com has done a very good job of convincing people that if if the if you don't get new functionality in the cloud every three months then your cloud vendor is doing something wrong is that something you guys are, are constantly battling against or is it something that you're going to embrace well I mean we do we do make uh, you know updates to our our cloud offerings you know more frequently, I would say, than we we do on an on-premise perspective. Um, but you know, I think uh, business customers also want stability. Um, you know, they don't want things constantly uh, changing on them. Um, 
So, you know, there's a, there's a balance there, but, um, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, I think the market has changed. It's no longer, you know, we come out with, you know, updates once every year or two. It's, it is, it is getting a little faster. And something I wanted to ask you from a design perspective, you guys have done such a great job on One UI and, and bringing all the interfaces together into a sort of common look and feel. Um, but you've also done a good job, particularly on connections, with making it possible to customise that look and feel to fit with corporate themes and so on. Is that something you expect to do more of over time? Sure, yeah. I mean, One UI is is set up so that it, you know, it's part of what it's doing is using CSS uh, style sheets, which are, you know, um, fairly straightforward to to customize in certain ways, and um, you know, going beyond that, uh, you know, being able to inject uh, widgets into different pages. Um, you know, we we definitely see that uh, you know customers want to tailor our offerings to to their own business context, and and you know, both do some integration of you know, let's say widgets that that tie into some of their other systems, as well as to to you know, update the branding so that they uh, really reflect the the experience that they want. Um, you know, both of those are certainly areas we will continue to focus on to to make sure that um, you know we're we're supporting the, the kinds of uh, customizations customers are interested in. And and that that is a big one I hear. And I noticed a couple of years ago you did a, a theme where you integrated quicker and connections so it looked seamless. I can't remember who it was for. It was on your blog. And and ev everywhere I go where we're doing customizations, they roll out Stuart's example and say we want that. And I think with every release of connections, that's getting easier. Uh, and, and I'm hoping with four and eventually four point whatever and five, it becomes you know a relatively trivial task to change the look and feel of the entire connections UI and integrate it with either products. I think that would uh, that would hands down put your head and shoulders above above a competition. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we certainly want to focus on on customization. And um, I don't think we'll speak to specific uh, feature cap capabilities coming up. But you can. Uh, Ask us more about that at Lotus, but um, but yeah, no, I agree. That's that's a direction we, we should be we should be looking at. And and this may be another question you say wait till later, or or maybe maybe just can't answer. But um, we're seeing a lot of uh, innovation on the user side, which is just fantastic. You know, we're getting really great user interfaces for the the users to use. Um, are there any plans to do anything more on the admin side? You know, to make it easier for administrators at companies to administer these web applications. At the moment, with things like connections, there's still an awful lot of stuff you have to do behind the scenes in in you know config files or um, you know command line process. Is there any plans to bring more of that into the UI? Yeah, so um, I, I will take that one. The, the way we are approaching and, you know, I will continue want to get input from, uh, in, you know, from folks like yourself as well as our, our, our business is that the WASA admin piece of the, we are we are continuing to focus using WAS admin as a, a a level of command line interface to really be able to easily well maybe it's not as easy as as my team make me feel right is that enable the scripting that can be built so so from that perspective we will continue down the journey that when we build our new capability um, that particular approach will be always available. We are exploring opportunity to enable business partner to actually add value to build on top of a uh, interactive uh, or graphical use or web-based user interface for the product. I think in Lotus Sphere this year, um, I actually share as a demonstration of 
um, how open connection is and how programmable or, or enhancement individual can do to the system by citing, you know, one of our business partner time to act on the work that they are working on in terms of a administrative user interface for the connection system. So, and, you know, we have from, from the area of uh, administration that we are putting a you know, some key focus on, and if you've seen us doing some of that in the 3.0 space, is really around community administration so that we can empower a community owner to administer the system, the, their community to manage content to make sure particularly around moderation and, you know, and, and making sure that they can actually protect the, the content that they, their users are engaging with them on. So, you know, so we have not, um, you know, never is, is, is something that IBM will never say because, you know, the market change and if there comes a time that the, the type of system that we actually built, um, there are areas that is important for us to provide a user interaction uh, UI to it, and that will be, you know, valuable to our client in a, a general way, then we, we certainly will consider making those investments. However, you know, our philosophy around the, the environment, because it is such a large and and complex environment where we are putting a lot of our energy and we will continue to do it, you know, um, I think every release we're doing a little better job. Um, you know, being a fairly impatient um, development manager, I would wish we can do more, but, you know, but in the area of making the installation, the configuration, the, the consistency, cutting across all the services, because what we attempted to do in connection is to make sure that we have a very robust integrated system, but also enable um, our deployer and our business user to pick and choose what they want to introduce and what they actually don't want to include. So because of those flexibility we built, we actually left the business, left the system um, in many occasions, some seams right in between. And, you know, um, I have heard all about it with the great community that was built out on Greenhouse on um, all these, you know, things that actually pose this challenge. So we will continue to improve on that type of administration capability. But in terms of a web UI um, for the whole of connection, um, at this juncture, I, I don't have much plan to do it out of the product. But we are happy to work with anyone any business partner who is very interested to that to to see that this to be an opportunity uh, for you for you for, for them as well to actually take on that you know that challenge so here's my two cents on that and and when you said impatient I thought for sure you were going to say Maya Stewart's name <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that to be self-referential but I, I think as, as far as the web an administration UI for connections. I think if you are trying to move as many historical domino customers as possible to connections via the entitlement and then hopefully an upgrade license, I seriously think you need some type of administration UI to tempt the domino administrators to even give it 
a, a, a chance. I think if if they have to resort to Python scripts in, in WebSphere, I think they're all going to freak out and, and not let it be installed. And I think that's the risk to the entitlement that was given in 853 of not succeeding where I think it really should succeed. And, and, and I want to be straight here. I, I don't have a problem with Python scripts. I don't think Stuart has a problem with Python nope. scripts. But I think the vast majority of the admin population may. Uh, and I actually think there's more than may. We do. I, I do hear that from our domino um, constituents that, um, you know, the, the, the whole idea of the WAS infrastructure is quite a challenge for them, right? And so not to mention um, all the barrier of what running a WAS infrastructure will pose to individuals who have not acquired that level of understanding and skill. And I totally, you know, I, I, there, there is nothing, what you said is, um, you know, that I, I would disagree with at all. And in fact, you know, while we, you were talking, I jogged down the notes that it was very interesting on your observation is um, you see the challenge of uh, having and enabling a admin UI will be reducing the barrier of some of the administration um, requirement for our domino admin, right? And um, we also know that having an admin UI, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, um, I just feel that, you know, that is a great point. And in reflection on, on that point, thinking in the back of my mind very quickly is, um, you know, the concept of removing that barrier from an administration perspective is really what I need to spend some time thinking about because I have absolutely no intention for my domino base, for IBM's domino base uh, customer to go anywhere but, um, you know, take advantage of connection, right? And, that's and, and I think that's the point. And just to follow up on that, I, 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 my real point is I think that the, the normal domino guys are going to have such a potential heart attack like you said, just installing WAS and then choosing a, a database, be it DB2, Oracle, SQL Server, whatever. I think at, at that point, they've already went through a, a bit of a paradigm shift that then to then throw them back in, in, into a, a non-graphical UI or a non-web UI, I, I think may, may be doing a disservice to the product that they've just installed and, and, and may turn them off completely. And I, I just hope that's not the case, but I have a feeling it might be. And that's one of the, one of the interesting things about social software really is that I've seen kind of, you know, over the last 15 years, deployments of notes and domino typically have been driven by IT. So, you know, they've decided they want to have a messaging platform or, a, you know, instant messaging platform and they've chosen the Lotus product and they've deployed it and then they've given it to the business. What we're seeing with connections and, and the other social software products, speaking more broadly, is that the business is demanding them. And then they go into the IT department saying, we want to be given connections or drive or whatever it might be. And then the IT department are then kind of either resisting by saying it's too difficult, too expensive, too whatever it might be, whatever the barriers to, to deploying it are, um, and or they're saying, yeah, okay, to the business, we'll go ahead and do that for you. And I think if we can remove as many of those barriers from them adopting and deploying connections and quicker and all the other tools, then we've got far more chance of the business getting the tools they want and, and you know, reaping the benefits of social collaboration software. 
And and actually, just just to kind of take us on to another topic, um, I'm, I'm guessing one of the things you, you already mentioned it, Ronnie, for uh, LoadSphere is the social business toolkit. Do you want to talk to, to what that offers? I'm guessing what that allows is for developers, both on Domino platform and elsewhere, to, to start creating um, applications that fit better into Project Vulcan and, and into the other things you're doing with social? Uh, yes, it is. So, you know, the, the toolkit is available on Greenhouse and has been available on Greenhouse uh, for quite some time. I think we, um, you know, soft launch it in um, at Lotus Fair this year. So the, 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 the focus of the toolkit is really enabling, um, you know, developers to have a place to, one, learn about the API and get familiar with how do you write open social API, as well as deliver a a way for the integration to be realized, meaning, you know, instead of individual needing to go figure it out how to deploy a connection system and, um, well, not to mention, we, we don't quite have that in the market yet for, for that type of social integration, because that's what we are working on. Um, but to allow developers to now, um, who believe in the Project Vulcan vision, who believe in the the openness of the stream, who believe the transformation of, of catching individuals' eyeball, um, not only in a email setting, but also encompassing some of the social stuff and the business stuff, instead of in order for a piece a process to get to a person's purview, you have to somehow route it through e email. You now have the ability to really explore how you can bring it into someone's stream of which that will allow you to not only have a way to, um, to surface it to an individual, but it also enable you to in context to take advantage of your social network. So the toolkit is there to enable the integration of the event infrastructure of connection, um, as well as sample and, and learn about the API, what you can do, as well as learn about how to build embedded experience gadget that can provide that integration. So be it as whether it is a, you know, a WAS, a WAS application developer or a Domino uh, application developer, this particular toolkit will actually enable you to do all that. And you can bring, um, you know, the way I like to talk about it is not only are you now having a way to to catch the eyeball of individual in context and, and really bring a lot more realization of the value that a social environment will bring to you. Um, so it will accelerate adoption, catch the eyeballs and, and get people uh, the ability to, to to not feel like they have to go to a lot of places just to watch what they need to get done. Um, but it also allow for the, the sort of the freshing up or the social enablement of a lot of application that you you have and our customer have invested. And IBM ourselves, we have a, we have tons of domino applications that we have invested and how do you bring a social collaboration to those application in a way that you don't have to rewrite the whole thing and rebase it onto us that kind of stuff right so so the concept of this toolkit is really doing that opportunity opening as part of Vulcan right if you kind of look back on what the Vulcan 
principles are. That's what the toolkit is is really intended to do. And what we've been doing is that, you know, foremost, we focus on the evolution of this particular technology and we build the toolkit first and we open up the stream first before we actually bring together the product that we are we are running in parallel. But it is the same componentry we are bringing into, you know, delivering to, to the market um, when we are ready to ship the product. But the point is that, you know, long before we have a, a beta program instantiated for the release that will carry that stream, you our business partner, our application developer, and is, has already have access to that infrastructure to begin the transformation that they can envision and that they want. And and I think that is that 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 is actually a, a pretty good good idea. You know, it kind of brings in in the, in the convergence idea. But just because you have application A that was written before social software came along, you don't have to rewrite it you can just kind of plug in a bit and off you go and I think that leads quickly very quickly into mobile because that's another area of convergence and, and IBM has kind of moved to a I don't know if it's a mobile first or a mobile equal one of them two terms has been said a lot and I just want to give you guys kudos because you, you both kind of have some responsibility and connections I think the connections mobile app uh it's in the in, in the App stores, which is another good idea, by the way. Putting in the app stores, I think, is is splendid. Uh, do you want to quickly just want to kind of want to quickly touch on on what what was what was the outcome of that? So, so I would I'll jump on that. We are we we do talk about you know mobile first or mobile equal or you know um, so, so so the fact is um, first of all I will take credit of the brilliant idea of putting our apps into app store. Um, our user access to, our customer access to, our business partner access to, um, you know, who we sort of see as our um, people we seek counsel everywhere is saying yes, that did. you got to do it, right? <laughs> and so, so you know, we will be, I, I will be literally um, what I call not passing the intelligent test if we don't respond to it. Now, what I would take credit for is our team's effort in that response instead of taking it as okay so the market need this let's let's do something to make sure we begin to show progression we actually took some very major step to say okay so you know we looked at we we often look at what is the economy of development right so you know everybody think about that because for every um you know that the reason software is so profitable is because uh, it's a gift that keep on giving once you deliver the core code. So we always look at the the most effective and, and efficient way we can deliver a set of componentry that we can reuse everywhere will be the best way for us to actually make a lot of profit on the end. However, when it comes to the mobile space, we actually took a slightly different approach. What we did is that we first looked at why people choose the device that they have chosen. And, you know, a lot of this is, is clearly is, you know, showing the design-led um, uh, philosophy, right? So, so what we have is that the design team is asked to go figure it out what we should do for each one of the premier mobile devices. Um, what we see in the market is, is pretty much dominated by, um, you know, three major players, right? Uh, the RIM device, the Apple device, 
the iOS device as well as the Android device. So when we look at those three devices, what we have understood is each one of the, those devices present a very u- unique value. And people, we literally choose the device for those value and nothing else. And so, so the way we approach mobile is, although it's far more expensive for us to build for the device, which we have tried for years in IBM, and we know how expensive it is, it can get. But what we also know that if we ever compromise and say, when you use our application on those devices, you wouldn't be able to benefit by the fact that you actually pay the money to buy a a a Apple device, an iPhone versus pay the money to buy a Droid or pay the money to buy a, a BlackBerry devices, then we will have lost the heart in, in the heart of our users. So what you actually saw us do in the mobile space is we decided that we have fundamental foundation capability that allow us to benefit from reuse and extensibility. So you still see us our approach is a hybrid approach where we use a web container is so that we can deliver to market rapid function like the ideation capability very quickly as well as eliminate um, but but also have the the native portion that make the interaction model feel very native right so so that's what the team has committed to do and tried out and I would say that based on the reaction we have from our from from the marketplace as we goes out, um, I think we I think it validated that um, you know we are on the right path. Of course, we constantly being challenged to innovate in the mobile space because you know if anything that our consumer or our user in in the user interaction model space um, demand freshness, it is in the mobile space. Right. I mean, you know, we begin to hear from many of our clients to say, you know, Ronnie, you are changing your user interface in a very rapid fashion. Now that the product, it is becoming mission critical in our company, we really cannot afford that much transition in release to release to release because it will slow down our ability to adopt as an enterprise. However, we would, I have yet here Anybody who owns a mobile device will ever say, you know, I like the things I look at yesterday. Almost every day, the the appetite of getting something fresh and new on your machine. And and I have to admit, I feel like a a kid in a candy store as well. When I pick up my mobile device, I always go like, you know, what's new here? So, you know, as much as I love the the iPad uh, application we deliver only now, like three weeks ago, I'm already sitting in inside and say, I want more. What am I showing the customer? I want to see the next version. What am I showing our customer in Lotusphere, right? I mean, I don't want to show this. I know this is great, but, you know, three months, less than 60 this, this days from so, now, it's not interesting, right? Yeah, this is, this is so two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, and seriously, kudos to to all that were involved in the, in that effort. I I have been so blown away by that connections app. I think you've done a tremendous job. It looks great. It works great. The iPad version came out so quickly after the iPhone one did. Um, yeah, really impressive. Uh, and and I love the way you talk about it in terms of the reason why you made their design decisions so that you can keep on innovating with with newer versions in the future. So. Wonderful, and I'm hearing all about um, the same time client that's coming soon as well from Ed. So, um, so all, all exciting stuff coming up uh, ahead. So we'll move on now to our tips. Darren, do you want to kick us off? What's your tip for this week? 
My tip is the application called Cardstar, C-A-R-D-S-T-A-R. The link is in the show notes, and you should be able to download it from the app stores. But it's an application for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry that allows you to keep all them loyalty barcodes that you hang off your keys in, in one place. And when you go to like a pharmacy like CVS in the States, and you get maybe, I don't know, a dollar off if you buy a bottle of coke or something you can just get your iphone out find that barcode have the attendants scan the barcode you have to carry the cards around it's 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 a phenomenal little app and it's genius the idea behind it i've not heard of that one before i'm seriously impressed given how many i have on my key ring i'll be downloading it straight after this ethan do you have a tip for us uh yes i do um yeah so one thing i'm uh, sometimes i think our end users are always um, aware of is in the uh, Connections 3 uh, release on, on the homepage, there's an, an option to um, follow um, what's going on in your social network or, you know, across your organization um, based on tags. So, you know, we, we've made an effort so that all of the Connections applications, you can tag content to get back to, you know, top you're, you're interested in. And if you want to see, you know, other people are posting that you may not be aware of and they might not be in your network, um, you can go uh, and open the little uh, twisty under the, the newsfeed section on, on the homepage. And uh, when you go into the tags area, it lets you uh, identify particular tags you want to follow. And it's a good way, you know, that I use, for instance, to, to find out when people are saying anything about the products I'm, I'm working on uh, in, the, in the connections uh, uh, deployments that I participate in. Excellent. I'm not sure I even knew about that one, so that's terrific. Uh, that will be in our show notes, so do people go away and, and try and find that feature and, and make sure you use it. That's great. Thank you, Ethan. And Ronnie, do you have a tip? Uh, yes, and so, you know, I, I, of course, will shamelessly take this opportunity to talk about how fond I am with all the feature in 3.0. Um, <laughs> however, there is two things, two features that I, I feel it really make a, a difference to my productivity from man- managing a, a good number of IBM network um, deployment out in you know out, out there including our internal site those two feature in combination is a lifesaver for me and also I think actually keep me much more engaged the two feature is following I mean if you're not you have not discovered the following capability it really makes a big difference on helping you to concentrate on a short list of things that you need to stay current on at the moment in time in in pairing that with the the, the daily digest which is sitting in the setting um, cap, um uh, the setting action on the upper right corner um, that will enable you to decide how often you see your email or, or this information coming to you being able to tune it to a daily digest literally give me a chance to on a daily basis know all the wonderful suggestion and feedback that, that um, you know our user population and community had given us and thanks to Simon who worked very hard to bring us together this very robust community on greenhouse as well as my inter, internet internal net, network so um so you know like i say there's tons of great feature on three but those two are the one that i feel is uh, literally transformational from the way the system used to run as well as now 
Excellent. Thank you. And thanks to Simon Vaughan for creating that community. There's a huge amount of value that goes on there. And thank you to you, Ronnie, for, for taking such an active involvement in that. It's great to see your feedback on some of the ideas too. Um, my tip for this week uh, is actually a book that's just been released. We've talked about it on this podcast many times, which is the new Same Time Administration Guide by uh, Marie Scott, Tom Duff and Gab um, from Turtle Partnership, Gab Davis. Um, that's now available. Tom's just blogged about it. We'll have a link in the show notes uh, to it on Amazon. I think it's going to be available on Kindle as well. Um, so do get hold of that. Also want to pimp uh, something I'm doing, uh, which is Social Connections 2, the IBM uh, Lotus Connections user group, which takes place on the 9th of December in Cardiff. We are absolutely delighted to have Ethan presenting at that. Ethan, do you want to just quickly run through what you're going to present at that session? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm going to talk about um, the, the more details uh, that we alluded to a little bit today on the, you know, the design methodology that our team uh, uses when we're putting together the, the designs for each upcoming release of IBM Connection. So uh, hopefully it'll be uh, of interest to everyone. I'm, I'm excited to be uh, joining you for that. Great. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And uh, just to pimp the event one more time, uh, we're having a uh, reception in the castle, which everybody who comes to the event is entitled to come to. So that's at Cardiff Castle. So it, it promises to be an excellent day, uh, particularly those who haven't been to Wales before. So thank you to everybody who's taken part in this podcast. Um, just to keep us short, we'll, we'll have links to people's Twitter and blog uh, IDs in the show notes as well. Do take a look at that. Some episodes we struggle to fill an hour. Others we could go on and talk for two or three or four hours. It's been such a great content today so thank you Ronnie and thank you Ethan really appreciate your time well thanks for having me yeah my pleasure it's great and so until next week this was This Week in Lotus bye 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 thanks all opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer a castle yeah <laughs> Cardiff Castle now I feel like I should be invited this bed is so hot I cannot get the covers off They stick to me like leather seats in cars at 80,000 degrees oh, well, did you leave something behind? Oh, you look like nothing at the time Nothing between you and me I'd rather plead the fifth Than talk about the girl you're still in love with <laughs>